And welcome back to another edition of On the Board Sports. I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Gotham Podcast Studios in Manhattan, New York, joined by the one and only Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sean T. Sean, how are you, buddy? Well, I'm doing well. About to try and dodge these raindrops. A whole lot of rain the past uh, 16 to 20 an hours or so, but besides that, I'm doing good. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, going to Yankee game tonight. Uh, had to leave early prior to the first pitch for the first game of the doubleheader, so I have an extra ticket available on me, so I'm going to go head back into the stadium right after this show is over, and you know we'll see what happens after that, but it's totally phenomenal. Honestly, today is a great day uh, to be here. Uh, lots to talk about. Got two two shout outs. First of all, shout out to Johnny, our wonderful producer on the ones and twos. Raises his fist, says hello, smiling, always, you know, happy. And second shout out goes to our sponsor, Body Armor. Body Armor is a great drink, revitalizes you after a great workout. And, you know, if you haven't had it, I suggest you try it. It's really, really good. Might be better than Gatorade or Powerade. You know, go out there. Grab yourself a uh, a bottle of body armor and you won't regret it. So that's coming from me. Uh, lots to talk about today, Sean. So obviously Yankees are playing today after getting rained out last night. Uh, you know, the Mets are on a four-game winning streak, sweeping Minnesota and taking two out of three against the Miami Marlins coming out of the all-star break and you know in the MLB world the whole Tyler Skaggs story is still hitting us today uh with regards to the Angels throwing the no-hitter and how they're still active in the postseason race but we begin with basketball and as we saw last week when we were talking about the NBA free agency period one week after uh it hit Sean News came out saying that the Oklahoma City Thunder wound up trading Russell Westbrook over to the Houston Rockets, a blockbuster deal that sent Chris Paul and multiple first-round draft picks over to Oklahoma City. Now, Sean, I ask you this. It's an interesting mix here because of the fact that both guys are very ball-dominant and both guys need the ball in their hand in order to score. But they did play together for the first couple of years of their careers in Oklahoma City, but much different situations. Obviously, egos have grown, and players have obviously gotten better since then, since seven years ago, in which Harden went over to Houston. He has become a star, a superstar, in which a lot of people saw happening. But... With the role at the time with Oklahoma, you get the sense that, you know, top three draft pick when he was with the Thunder back in 09, goes out, they go to the finals, Oklahoma said he did in 2012, and after that, the Thunder had a nice, nice run, but it didn't cumulate into anything, no championships at all, nothing like that. And here we are seven years later with Russell Westbrook getting teamed up with James Harden again, down Houston, Sean. I got to ask you. You know, what do you what do you uh, think of this move thus far? Well, well, 
what I think of it is when I first saw it go down, the, the one thing that stood out to me is it's clear that Houston is in win-now mode because to give up the amount of draft picks that they did, you know, and to get rid of Chris Paul, I mean, you know, I'm surprised the whole Chris Paul, James Harden thing didn't work. I thought that Paul was the right guy, point guard for him. But, well, sometimes you have to change up the style of what you do. Mike D'Antoni is not going to change. But what I think will change, Will, is that I think that James Harden and Russell Westbrook have matured to the point now where they just want to win. When they were playing seven years back, as you said, they were just young pups trying to just, you know, figure it out and just trying to see, you know, like how to be a pro. And both of them have won an MVP. Well, Westbrook did win an MVP, uh, correct? Uh, I believe so. I believe he did. If I'm not I mistaken. think he did, right. So, right. So, since both of them split, both have won an MVP. And obviously, Russ, the past couple of years, has averaged a triple-double. And James Harden had the whole streak where he was scoring like 40 points like every game. But I look at it and I say... I think Mike D'Antoni can get Russell Russell Westbrook will to be a point guard. Ever since KD left, I think Russell Westbrook has gotten worse because he's had to shoulder the load so much, even though Paul George was there. I think now when you have guys that can shoot, Harden and P.J. Uh, Tucker, Eric uh, Gordon, so on and so forth, I think now that West that's Westbrook can just be a point guard, and we obviously know how well Mike D'Antoni can develop point guards will. So from that standpoint, if Westbrook is willing to tweak his playing style, I think it can work. He obviously knows the Western uh, Conference very, very well. And it's one of those things where because they are cool, I don't think Westbrook would have an issue deferring to Harden for the last shot, or deferring to Harden when he gets cold, or when he gets cold and Harden is hot, opposed to him trying to get hot because he's cold. So I like the move. Yes, there are two ball dominant guys, but Harden wasn't always a ball dominant guy. Mike D'Antoni made him that way, and so I, I think Harden can can go back to just being the shooting guard that he is. And do I think it's going to work? I think so. I think it depends on how the core plays around them well, but I like the trade. Houston is in win-now mode because I think Harden is about to be 30 and Westbrook is already uh, 30. So, you know, you don't have – you have time, but you don't have that much time left. So, I like the move. Uh, Mike D'Antoni was on uh, Adrian Wojnowski's uh, um, show the other day, and he said they won't change much, but they're going to tweak some things. Well, I think those tweaks will determine how far they go. I don't know. I really, really don't know um, what what's going to happen within the next uh, year or so. I I don't have a crystal ball in front of me, nor am I a uh, a psychic where I could predict the future here. But the one thing that I do know is that learning from past history that some of these deals for trying to acquire a top a top scoring option to pair with another top scoring option hasn't really panned out. And 
recent memory. Obviously, a lot of people are going to look back and they're going to talk about the trade that happened back in 2012 where Steve Nash went over to the Lakers and they got Steve Nash for essentially draft capital. And, you know, Nash wound up getting hurt at that time. So it didn't really work out there. D'Antoni coached both of them for two years, but Kobe wound up getting hurt the following year after uh, after they made the playoffs, got hurt with the torn Achilles, everything like that, missed out. So it was kind of unfair to say that. Another scenario would be where uh, Carmelo Anthony and Mari Stoudemire both number one options in a Mike D'Antoni style offense in New York, and it didn't work out there. Another place where, you know, even though D'Antoni did not coach in Denver at that time, you have Allen Iverson and Carmelo Anthony. Same thing. You know, two ball dominant players trying to, you know, score. And then the other one, the other factor here is for the year that it did work for Mike D'Antoni was the year in which the first year that Steve Nash played in Phoenix under D'Antoni and they had Joe Johnson and Steve Nash. It did work out there for the year. They wound up having, I believe, the second best record at that time. And, you know, with that being said, they wound up shipping out Joe Johnson and, you know, you got to see Steve Nash win a uh, an MVP after what had happened. Stoudemire got hurt at that time. But, you know, with everything that's surrounding the Rockets right now, the Rockets are in a great rebounding team. They're ranked dead almost 27th, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, last year in total rebounding. They haven't helped themselves out in the rebounding department yet. Pat Riley, the great coach for the Lakers and the Heat, has been out on the record and said that rebounding does win you championships. If you're in that top 10 or top 5 in the league in rebounding, you know, you you will have success in the postseason. Now with D'Antoni's style of play, obviously, you know, it one might say, okay, they have Nene still, they they have Clint Capella still there. Can they re-sign a guy like uh uh Kenneth Fareed? Is Kenneth Fareed even on the Rockets still? If I'm not mistaken, I don't I'm probably making myself no, look like a dumbass, but he's on the nah, nets. Uh, he's a free agent. Okay, so maybe they'll go out and re-sign him. Who knows? Who knows what might happen? The point is, is that there there were other holes to fill in, and they wound Daryl Morey wound up swinging and and swinging for the fences for a for Russell Westbrook here, and now for the next year or two, they have to identify themselves here as. You know, for years, they have, under Mike D'Antoni's offense, they have to outscore the opponent. And there's no defense at all, anything like that, Sean, with that being said. I I don't know. I I think this is a lose-lose here. I think this is a lose-lose here. I know that they played together seven years ago. I know that the chemistry's there and everything like that. But, you know, they really have six, seven guys on that roster, you know, with Harden and Westbrook and... P.J. Tucker, like you said, and Eric Gordon and the Nay being there. And that's five guys. 
you know, outside of that, who who else is on that team? You know, you, you're commanding a lot of financial, uh, a lot of money to Westbrook and Harden. And yes, they are all in, but at what cost? Well, yeah, and 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 that's always the tricky part when you're trying to build a team. You know, when you go after superstars, you know, to get a superstar, you're going to have to pay a superstar. But well, that's this is how Houston plays. Now they haven't won like this, but Mike D'Antoni is not known to go, you know, twenty deep. Third, I mean, I'm sorry, not known, not known to go like you know nine, ten deep in terms of you know the rotation right so what i think is you know if he has a solid seven maybe eight which he does because i'm assuming the starting five is going to be westbrook harden tucker at the four capella at the five i don't know who the small forward is, uh, is going to be but you take him and then off the bench you're going to have uh gerald green or uh, you're going to have uh eric gordon uh, Shumpert and Eric Gordon. So, to me, that's a, is it a solid eight? It's a good eight, but you know, Mike D'Antoni isn't going to go past that in terms of the rotation that he so has. So, you do bring up um, a, a valid point Well, they're going to have to figure it out because on the defensive side, you know, Chris Paul, you know, for his size, was and is a pretty good uh, defender Westbrook is too but at the same time we all know well that Harden is not a great defender and that's where Houston's shortcomings have come there's no way that you lose a game or you should lose a game where Steph Curry did not score in the first half right but because they're not a good defensive team you let them score what 31 in the second half or like 33 and you lose a game that ends up uh, sending, you know what I'm saying? Uh, sending you home. So, I mean, we shall see it, how it goes. Well, they do have to figure it out, uh, uh, like you said. But I think it was a shot worth uh, taking, especially since you had to get Chris Paul uh, out of there. Chris Paul had to go, so they got that done, and they get Westbrook in return. And you know, Mike D'Antoni in 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 what is the final year of his deal? Will so I don't think he's a lame, um, a lame duck, but he has a lot to prove because they haven't given him an extension yet. You know what I'm saying? So this is this this could be a turning point here for uh, Houston. Oh, there's absolutely no doubt about it. I I've mentioned in pre in a previous episode that you know when you look at Mike D'Antoni, this is it next year. This this is it, man. You know, as far as trying to win a you know a championship here but at that very same point in time Sean what I see here is a team that's really they have to they have to figure it out Mike D'Antoni has to go out there and figure out how to keep the balance of minutes in play and how guys like Westbrook and Harden are going to command at least 20 shots per game they're going to command at least 20 shots per game. If you can go out there and realistically have Harden and Westbrook shoot 15 shots a game and you try and bounce the scoring load out like that to those players on the bench, 
like the Eric Gordons of the world, like the Gerald Greens of the world, you know, it, it, it that can work. That can work. But as far as guys that are in their pr- – and remember, too, some of these, some of their agents, you know, Westbrook and Harden's agent might be like, you know, listen – Take the twenty shots a game, you know what I mean? Like they'll they'll whisper the devil's at they'll be devil's advocate in their ear, you know, instead of trying to work it out for the best. That that's another thing too that might uh come into play here. But you know, as far as what might happen, Sean, I I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what might uh what might transpire. I think that this is a ultimately it could be a lose lose, but it's gonna be fun watching. It's going to be fun watching. Are they going to be a top? They're going to be a playoff team. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But there's well, you 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 mentioned Carmelo and uh, Stoudemire. I think that could have worked. It did work the one year they won the fifty four games, but but they lost. Six, well, they they listen. The they had they had Mike Woodson as their coach at that time when they when they played well, you know. And but, but, when but when right, but, but but when but when D'Antoni was there, Mel, you got to understand one thing. You got to understand one thing, okay? And I know we saw it eight years ago. Melo Melo was an ISO player. Melo's not the type of guy that's going to be freewheeling and trying to do the seven seconds or less. When he gets the ball, he's working on his his post game and he's trying to work on his you know he's trying to score in the post. So that ball's going to be in there for four to five seconds. In the 24-second shot clock hour, you know, that's a lot of time. You know, seven seconds with the ball, you know, trying to establish yourself. That's something right there, you know. And you're making my point. Well, the reason why it didn't work is because Westbrook or Harden is going to have to change for it to work. And I think Westbrook is going to have to change because Harden, Harden way works. Harden has, you know what I'm saying, like he's won – the MVP, he's scoring him, you know, this point, this blah, blah, blah. Harden way works. But, well, uh, um, Car- Carmelo, like you said, ISO, 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 he never changed. And I think that's why teams don't want to bring him on now because you bring him on now and it's going to be the same him. It's going to be like even at 35, 36, he's going to be the same guy. And to me, that's what you don't need. So, well, I believe if Carmelo would have, you know, been a more, I'm not saying he wasn't a team guy, but if he would have tweaked his game just a, a little bit and when the double team came, passed the ball out, instead of trying to take, you know what I'm saying, a contested double team fadeaway 20-foot shots, I think they could have been much better better off because that was a very good team. Oh, with no Celtics, question. Stoudemire, uh, so on and so forth. So, no question. Um, yeah. No question about it, but right. also, too, you got to remember this. When Jeremy Lin came up, it wasn't Mike Woodson that was the coach. It was Mike D'Antoni. And because of right, right, Carmelo right. Anthony's injury, we all forget this, because of Carmelo Anthony's injury, that was really the birth of Lin's sanity. And it was the perfect storm having D'Antoni and Lin having everything there in that, you know, set of circumstances was just absolutely phenomenal to watch as far as a basketball fan goes. But I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't know what, as far as the Rockets go, I don't know what to 
think with their whole analytics standpoint, because remember too, Daryl Morey is not your typical GM that's going to be like, okay, we're all about X's and O's. No, 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 no. He's more about analytics and reading, trying to be uh, Moneyball for basketball. So that's what he's trying to do. Right, right. So and 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 you know he's gonna have to look himself in the era too, well, because at the end of the day, you had Harden and you try to make it work by himself. It didn't work. Okay, cool. You trade for Chris Paul, and will it? And will who would have thought the Clippers would have won that trade? Trade well, right? Well, they did. Right. The Clippers won that trade. They got Lou Will and they got Pat um, Everly. Right. Who it, would have thought that they would have won that trade? But uh, well, um, someone that we're forgetting about for Houston too is um, Doc's son, uh, Doc Austin uh, Rivers. Son. Austin, and he played very, very well for them, and he seemed to fit. So most likely, they may go with the three guards starting. Uh, lineup which they did, or they just may have uh, um, uh, going to come off the bench and start uh, Rivers. But well, I mean, we shall see. I think it can work. Tweak something if he does well. I think can they win a championship? I don't know, but can they make a deep run? Uh, definitely. And if he doesn't well, then they're going to be losing in the second round, like they have the past. Uh, Two out of the last uh, three. Years. Like I said too, this this team really, really, really has no front court depth either. As far as right. you know, as far as I'm concerned, and like I said, being ranked 27th in the league in total rebounding that that is that is the bottom. That's the bottom of the bottom, and you're with teams that haven't made the playoffs. And this team is talented guard wise, and having Mike D'Antoni as their coaches. Absolutely no doubt about it, but there's, you know, it, it, it scares me. It scares me that Maury is going all in with the pieces in place. It's just mind-boggling, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to what to see or what to expect, but they got to they gotta go out there and play their game. That's, that's it. Definitely true. So, yeah, well, you know what I'm saying? So we shall see uh... – what takes place uh, on that front in terms of uh, of uh, agency? Because you know, you know, it, 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 all these things look good. Well, you know, you know, Westbrook and Harden look good. Kyrie and Durant look good. Kawhi and Paul George look good. But when you have two or three superstars on a team, somebody's gonna have to tweak their game, and that's why the Miami Heat worked. The Wayne Wade took less. Honey, all four years, number one. And number two, he said, LeBron, we're only going to win if you run this show. I'm going to take a back seat. Chris is going to do all of the scrappy work, uh, dirty work, and you lead the show. And it was the Wayne Wade role that is why I believe that he um, um, won, won those two. Oh, yeah. Who's going to do that out of Kyrie and Katie, who's who's going to do that out of Paul George and Kawhi? Who's going to do that in terms of your team, Will, LeBron James and Anthony uh, 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 Davis? Well, we don't know, but we shall see. We'll get to that. We'll get to the Lakers in a second here because right now 
let's talk about the winners and losers of of this free agency period. And you know, there's been a lot of talk about the uh, the aforementioned Rockets. I I consider them a loser uh, this off season, even though they they got Russell Westbrook. I consider that a loser move because they didn't address their front court needs or. They didn't address their rebounding uh, issues, but hey, that's why they're here nor there. That's why they play the games in the uh, in the regular season, and that that'll be uh, that'll be said. They'll be a playoff team for sure, but that's not that's not the way how you go about it. Uh, my winners, we'll start off with my winners here. Okay, I I'm, I did three winners and three losers, and if you read the blog on, if you read my blog post on. On the uh, the whole free agency uh, period, it's uh, it, it's crazy as far as the winners and losers go. But we'll get into it. My first winner is the New York Knicks. Here's why: with the Knicks, it's very simple. They stuck to their guns. They didn't go out. They didn't spend the money on Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving. Yeah, they didn't get Zion, but they got pieces in place that are not only young. But they could go out there and play hard and play up to their their coach's personality in David Fisdale. Guys like Julius Irving. Uh, not Ju- uh, Julius Randle, excuse me. Julius Randle, guy 6'9", has the body type of a Lamar Odom and a Zach Randolph as far as his playing ability goes. And, you know, you see what they did. They went out. They signed... They also signed Taj Gibson, another guy that's hard rebounder, somebody that could that they could go out there and and uh, you know play hard and play physical, bring some sort of leadership over to uh, to Fisdale's team. And then they draft R.J. Barrett. They still have the young kids, Kevin Knox, Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson, by the way, has been absolutely a beast in the summer league this year. So it's absolutely. Uh, phenomenal to see him play like that. And then you have a guy like an Alonzo Trier going out there and playing hard. So those three guys alone, and then you add a guy like an Alfred Payton, another guy, underrated move, guy's a solid, solid ball handler. Honestly, he should keep his hairstyle the way how it is because, you know, everybody loves the the uh, the flopping hairstyle that he's got. So I think he could be a uh, a phenomenal piece here. In New York. But as far as like all the other stuff and everything like that goes, listen, sometimes plan A may be the plan that doesn't work out. Plan B is usually the plan that will work out for this franchise. And the way how I see it, plan sometimes plan B is better than plan A. So that's my, my first winner there. Sometimes you miss out on, on the big names, but... It's always those second names, those second tier names that'll that'll get you further than than the superstar. So that's that's my that's my first winner. My second winner is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And yes, they picked up Chris Paul. They lost out on not only Russell Westbrook but Paul George, but they acquired so much draft capital over the next five years. It's insane. It truly is insane to say the very least. And they get Chris Paul, they get back Shai, Gregorius, uh, Alexander, uh, Danilo Gallinari. These guys 
got passed up. And they're willing to prove people wrong. And with Billy Donovan there as their coach, I feel as if they have that blue-collar, working-class mentality of picking up the pail and just going out there and showing them, showing people why, hey, don't overlook us. And they still have nice young core there as well with uh, uh, Steven Adams and uh, and the other point guard, Dennis Schroeder, so, and uh, Andre Roberson as well. So right then and there alone, and plus CP3 did play in Oklahoma City back 10 years ago, 13 years ago, with the Hornets when they got, uh, when they, at the time they, uh, you know, they played most of their home games in Oklahoma City due to Hurricane Katrina. So it might be a sight for sore eyes to see over there for some Thunder fans, but it's, it's worth it. It's worth it for them. And then my final winner for this uh, free agency period is the Los Angeles Clippers. And look, with this team that's in place right now, it's uh, this team has that 90s Bulls feel to it, that mid-90s Bulls feel to it with regards to getting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. That might be the best one-two combo in the league as far as I'm concerned. Uh, they still have Lou Williams. They still have uh, Montrezl Harrell. They traded away a lot of those draft picks for them. And Doc Rivers is a talented, talented uh, head coach, no doubt about it. But there's a uh, there's this thing here, Sean, that, that I see. And I just say to myself, you know, it's absolutely amazing what's going on. But top to bottom, this team right now is just absolutely they could be locked down. They could be vying for that top spot in the Western Conference without a shadow of a doubt. They have Patrick Beverly. They have Zubak there. Montrez Harrell, Maurice Harkless, you know, Sindarius Thornwell, another guy. That's seven to eight guys right there that can literally play with the best of them. So, And they're young, and they're in their prime. That's a team that's really, really scary, to say the very least. I, Sean, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that list, and I'd like to hear your winners of the uh, NBA free agency period thus far. Well, first I'll address the your uh, winners, and then I'll give you mine. So I'll go in the order that you went, Will. Will, so you had the Knicks uh, winning. And, Will, I'm not saying it's because I'm a Nets fan, but I disagree from the standpoint of – when you traded Chris Stapps for Zingas, as you infamously went on the rant, well, for cap space. I did. You did not trade Chris Stapps for Zingas to sign Julius Randle. You did not trade Chris Stapps for Zingas, well, to sign Marcus Morris. You did not trade Chris Stapps for Zingas to sign Brooklyn's own Taj Gibson. You traded Chris Stapps for Zingas to get two max slots to get Kyrie or Kemba and KD. And you ended up getting neither. And well, yes, they they were very fortunate to have a plan B and get the guys that they did. But I can't say that you won free agency because you executed a very good plan B when your plan A was the plan for at least a whole year. So 
So from that standpoint, I can't say that the Knicks won. They did a very good job, and they're going to be they're going to be a much more competitive team on the court. But I can't say uh, that they won um, um, a right there. World. So that's number one. Number two, Oklahoma City. Well, I see what you're saying, but I also disagree from the standpoint of yeah, they got the draft picks and stuff, and I doubt that they use all 105 <laughs> that they got. They probably use maybe five, six, maybe, you know what I'm saying, package the rest for some other guys. But, well, the reason why I can't say that they won is because the plan wasn't to rebuild. The plan wasn't to tear it down and rebuild this team. When Kawhi told Paul George, get your ass to in L.A., Sam Presti had no choice. Now, I give Sam Presti the credit because he got a haul for uh, George and he got a haul for uh, Westbrook. But the plan when the season was done well, was not for OKC to go through the rebuild mode that they're going to be going through. So right. I can't say that they won free agency when they went from a team that was trying to contend to a team that could very well have the first overall pick uh, next year. Mm -hmm. And last but not least, number three, L.A., I agree 100%. To me, the Clippers are the favorite. I love the uh, the analogy that you use, Will. They do have that mid-90s Bulls feel, Kawhi, Paul George, Michael Jordan, Scotty, Pippen. They got Beverly and Harkless and Harold and Lou Williams, and they got Doc as the coach. I fully expect the Clippers to have a very good season. And well, and and well, they didn't win agency because they got uh, uh, Kawhi. They won free agency because they got Paul George. Nobody saw that coming. Not even not the people at Fox, NBC, ESPN, um, uh, the Score, Bleacher Report. Here. Nobody Here. saw that coming. Here, right? <laughs> huh? Here too, you know, on on our right, show. right. So, right, right. So, so well. Uh, with that being said, I'll get to the uh, to the three teams that I think won the Clippers. Without a doubt, you know they're number one. They definitely won getting Kawhi and Paul George. Number two, well, well, because the Knicks because the Knicks failed at their planning. The two players they wanted went to the Brooklyn Nets, so I have to make the Nets a winner because at this time last year, well, we were just hopeful that we would keep D'Angelo Russell, and then we got a maybe not a much better player player than him, but we got a, a better player than him, and we got KD. Yes, he's injured and he's going to be out the whole year, but when we got the two players that that another team. Won it really, really bad. I, to me, wrote that is a slam dunk win. And well, last but not least, my winner in free agency is Philly. I love what Philly did. I love the Al Horford move. They were already a pretty good defensive team. He's going to make them much more better. And the sign and trade, yes, they lost Jimmy Butler. But will Josh Richardson is a very underrated player. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And you look at that starting five. Ben is, uh, is, is Simmons, Josh Richardson, 
They resigned Tobias for the max. I don't think he's a max guy, but you had to give it to him. He's at the three, Al Horford at the four, and Joel Embiid at the five. Will, if Ben Simmons can somehow develop a consistent 10 to 15-foot shot, and if Joel Embiid can lose weight for the sake of his for the sake of the team, Will, and the sake for himself, Will, I'm calling it here first. If all those things take place, I could easily see a Philly Clippers NBA fan as well. So those are the three teams that I have winning. The Clippers, my Brooklyn Nets, and Philly. Those are all, those are all obviously big winners. And Sean, I know you're a Nets fan, so... You know, got to give kudos to them too, but they went out. They, to me, obviously they won getting uh, Durant and Kyrie, but sometimes, like I said, some then the Nets, they built up their team absolutely through the draft, without a doubt, 100%. I'm not taking anything away from that at all. I mean, five years ago, who would have thought that this very same franchise would have, you know, would have had KG and Paul Pierce and Jason Terry. Hate to bring that up again to you, bud. But, you know, who would have thought that? And then they would have went the way how they went. And for them to completely go 180 now, five years later, it's it looks good. It looks good. You know, it really does look good. So... You got to see what happens over there in Philadelphia, too. Underrated moves. Underrated moves picking up guys like Al Horford, like you said, and re-signing Tobias Harris. But, uh, you know, who knows what might happen over there in Philly. It's a good, it's a very, very good move. And, you know, they they picked up guys that, you know, for their depth and they could go out there and play. My losers. Hey, Will. Yeah. Before you get to your uh, losers, Will, you know who I would replace Oklahoma City with, and I would kind of make them a three uh, A. What's up? The Pelicans. Yes, I had them. I had them in in there too. But you know, I was thinking about them, but then I said to myself, you know, sometimes when you get younger players like that, and then like look at look at what happened with New Orleans when they traded away Chris Paul, right? NBA controlled them. They wound up getting back Eric Gordon, Chris Kamen, and Al Farouk Aminu and a first-round draft pick, okay? Could they have gotten back a little bit more? Kind of, sort of. But everybody, including myself at that time, had high hopes for that team. But it didn't work out. I'm still waiting. I want to see them develop this team. They're still young. They're still young, and you're absolutely right, Sean. They are, they are a three A, but they got to go out there and develop Lonzo Ball with with uh, Zion Williamson. A lot of pressures on Zion now. You know, everybody's got the spotlight on him. Will he succeed? Who knows? I would love to see him succeed, but I don't know. Brandon Ingram, we're seeing facial reactions from him that he. He doesn't look like he's happy to be there anyway, but who knows? Once once uh, the year starts up, who knows what might happen over there with uh, with him. And Josh Hart is a very, very underrated piece going over to... Well, 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 but not only the 
uh, but not only the trade for obviously Anthony Davis and the draft pick. When I saw free agency that JJ Reddick signed with them, I was surprised. Yeah, I said, "Whoa!" Yep, I was not expecting that. And then they make the Derek um, uh, Avis trade, and I was like, "Whoa!" I didn't see that trade coming through too. So, well, you look at our potential starting. I know that the Pelicans can have. You're going to have. Drew Holiday, JJ, you're going to have Brandon Ingram at the three, Zion at the four, and you're going to have Derek Favors at the five. And coming off your bench, you're going to have Anzo Ball, you're going to have Josh Hart, and you're going to have, and I never thought that I would say this name, you're going to have Shalil Okafor, who has seemed to have found a home there. Well, that is a very impressive starting five and a very impressive trio to come off the bench i'm not saying the pelicans are going to make the playoffs but i think they could be one of those teams where where they coming out for the last four or five games you know they you know what i'm saying um they are the like they are the reason why some teams miss because they lost to them so the one thing I was, so I was, huh? go ahead sean go ahead i'm sorry to cut you off so i would keep a very keen eye out Furthermore, because I really, really think that they could make some noise. Well, like I really think that they could win 35, 38 games. Well, I could, I could definitely see, I could definitely the, see that. Like, I could definitely see that. You know, is it enough to make it to the playoffs? Who knows what might happen this year in the West? I mean, the West is still strong no matter what, and you know, for the Pelicans to play up to their to their style, they got to push the ball. It seems like because they're young. They're a young team, so they're going to have to push the ball up. But Sean, with that being said, there's a lot of there's a lot of intrigue here with the Pelicans as well. As far as a, what happens say if Lonzo Ball does actually really really well in training camp and during the regular season? Are we going to see Levar Ball come out and rear rear that ugly head again? And, you know, advocate for his son as far as talking for him on his behalf and be like, you know, look, listen, he definitely deserves more playing time or he should be starting because he's my son and everything like that. And nothing against Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday is a solid, solid veteran nba -er. He's a solid veteran presence in that locker room. But, you know, there's always that intrigue. There's always that intrigue when it comes to, you know, Lonzo and Lavar, that that aspect of it, you know, that's the one thing that scares it with me because this team is talented, like you said, absolutely, one through five, and having three to four guys coming off the bench like that, it's it's really unbelievable. But I, I don't know, I, I don't know what to make of of this uh, of this team. You know, I really don't, not not yet, and certainly. Uh, you know, what might happen in the near future, who knows? But that's something that that's something that might rear its ugly head uh down the road. But you're one hundred percent right. They are a three A team as far as a winner go. But I I don't know. It's something that really, really scares me there. You know, something that scares me with that Lonzo ball coming off the bench. I know he wants to make his uh his presence felt, but there's just something about that. There's just something about that, you know. But who knows? We'll see what happens, you know. 
deserved. But as far as my losers go, I'm going to start off with my team, with the Lakers. And the reason why I start off with the Lakers here is because, yes, they get a top five, top ten talent in Anthony Davis. No doubt about it. They have LeBron. LeBron is 34 going on 35, and he looks like he's in the best shape of his career. But, you know, like I mentioned in in prior shows, LeBron isn't that guy that's 30. He's on the wrong side of 30 is what I'm trying to get at. You know, getting he's commanding a lot of money. And this team right now is basically built on one-year, two-year deals. And they still had their first-round draft pick this year from 2020. They gave up a bunch of draft capital for first-round draft picks. This year's draft pick wasn't one of them. And the way how I see it is like this. You know, they're putting in a lot of their their money and they're they're all in. Talk about a team that's all in. They're all in on making it to the playoffs and they're hell-bent about making it to the finals. And now with the Clippers being there competing – these are guys that are on one one to two year deals. You know, come next off season, I don't know what what might happen. You know, will Anthony Davis stay here? Will he not be tired of the whole LeBron situation? Who knows? Who knows what might happen with the uh the whole LA media thing around him if 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 this guy goes out there and has a bad game. Everybody's talking about two top ten players being a dynamic duo. Absolutely, and I'm not wishing anything. I'm not wishing injuries at all upon anybody. But this team is literally one injury away from literally being a lottery team again, and that's something that Laker fans do not want to hear. That's something that I don't want to actually hear or see again. But you know, they're they're literally one injury, major injury away to one of those two guys to not making it to the postseason. So that that right there alone scares me. And, or should I say, but, they did address their three-point shooting needs. They went out there, they acquired Danny Green. They went out there and they acquired Avery Bradley. Uh, JaVale McGee resigned. They resigned Rajon Rondo. And they got back to Marcus Cousins. So he's looking thinner than ever. And he lost a lot of weight. So he's actually looking pretty good. But, you know... I just, I don't know. This, to me, this is something that might not work out. It's something that might not work out for them as far as in the long run goes. They they could have learned from their past history with trading for a guy like Dwight Howard and Steve Nash, only to find out later that Dwight Howard really, you know, kind of resented Kobe somewhat, but... He did what he did with uh, Houston, and he did what he did with Atlanta, and with the uh, with the Wizards as well. But you know, and the Hornets. But who knows what might happen there in uh, in Los Angeles? You know, I, I don't know. This is a team that just has to learn from their mistakes, and they built up a lot of their team through the draft, and now you traded away after years of losing for one year of Anthony Davis and then quite possibly might have to go through the same thing again. Might, might have to go through the same thing again. Who knows? 
another loser, like I said before, the Houston Rockets again. Sean, I don't know what Houston's thinking, but like I said prior, you know, they're putting, again, another team that's gone all in, mentioned it before, they've ranked 27th in the league in rebounding. It's not a good look when you go out there and you trade for another guard and they didn't address their front court depth. But we'll see what happens over there just to keep it short and sweet on that. And then finally, my biggest loser of them all, the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards, three years ago when they when they hired Scott Brooks as their head coach, they went 50 and 32. The following year went down to 43 and 39. And then the following year after that, they missed the playoffs completely with a record of 32 and 50. And last year alone, they had Dwight Howard. They had the young core. Otto Porter Jr. wound up getting traded during the year for uh, Jabari Parker. And I forgot the other kid's name, but he winds up getting traded over to Washington. They didn't re-sign him. Bobby Portis. Bobby Portis, thank you. They didn't re-sign Portis. They still have this... This uh, trade, uh, they're still trying to figure out what's going on here with Bradley Beal. Who knows what's going on with Bradley Beal? Are they going to trade him? Are they going to move him? Who knows? And then John Wall, the biggest albatross in the room, a talented player, fast, one of the fastest players in the game. Absolutely, no doubt about it. But he's entering the prime of his career, and he's being owed a lot of money. And it's looking like... uh, you know, he's going to be staying in Washington for the remainder of his time over there. But also, too, keep in mind, this is a team that really has no front court depth either. They have Thomas O'Brien Bryant over there. They have Ian Mahimi over there as well. And they haven't really addressed their, their, uh, their front court depth. Yeah, they traded for a Mo Wagner, but it's just something that I don't know. It, it, they have to they have to pick up something here but they did draft the kid at number 8 Roy Rory uh he's from Japan Hichimura Hichimura thank you Roy Hichimura can he replace Otto Porter who knows can he be that that void can he fill in that void who knows what might happen there but they just lack that and for as talented of a coach as Scott Brooks is, and for a talented one-two duo in John Wall and Bradley Beal, they have to figure this out down in Washington. Because here was a team three years ago that went 15-32, and then three years later missed the playoffs. That's scary. And that's scary for that fan base as well. So, Sean, I'd like to hear your losers as well. Well, so I'll, I'll address yours and then give you mine, Will. So, Akers, Will, um, I'm 50-50 on that. Um, I see what you're saying because, you know, next year around this time, Anthony Davis could leave and you would have gave up the farm from Prem and you won't have anything and you would have given him a draft pick, so on and so forth. So, I get that. But, Will, I think the Lakers will be okay because Anthony Davis is represented by Rich Paul, who's the bronze agent, and... Ben Simmons agent, blah, blah, blah. And I think all the Lakers have to do is just make Anthony Davis comfortable and sell to him, like, listen, you could be the next Laker great. You could be Shaq and Kobe and, you know what I'm saying, Worthy and 
Magic and Jerry West and so on and so forth, you could be the next great uh, Laker great. If they sell him on that and make him comfortable, I think he resigns and, you know what I'm saying, and at least you have him as the face. So I don't think they won, but I don't think they also lost, Well, Number two, Houston World, I get why you said it, because of the fit. I agree because he added Westbrook, but you got no front court depth and you have no bench depth. So it's like when the starters go off the floor, who's coming in or who's coming on that can as make far, uh, as far As far as the front court depth goes, as far as the front court depth, they have no front court depth. They have nobody. No front court, right. The back court's right, fine. So, there's, not, there's nothing wrong with the, the back court. The back court's fine. I, I feel right. like they have too many pieces up there. And they might have to give up one of the, one of those or two pieces in order to get some front court talent back, but they're they're losers in my mind because they they didn't address that at all this off season. They didn't. Right, and they didn't have a draft pick. So you know what I'm saying. So 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 yeah, they got a a big name, but it's like what else did you do to improve the team, which they didn't do much. So I get it from that uh, standpoint, and we we'll, uh, we agree again. Washington, I mean, I don't know what they're doing. They don't have a GM. I mean, you're hearing some rumors where if a team takes John Wall contract, they will trade Bradley Beal. So the Heat, I heard, um, inquired. The Heat issue is they don't have the draft picks. Like every other year, their draft pick either goes to, I want to say, OKC and another team. Until like 2025, like every other year, but they like they don't have back-to-back picks until 2020. They don't have the draft picks, and I don't know if any other team step in or you know be willing to absorb John Wall's deal just to take uh, Bradley Beal. So, but yeah, the fact that they don't have a GM and he went through a draft and he went through a free agency, like who the hell is you know calling the shots? I definitely. I agree with you there. Well, the three teams that I have lose, losing will, we agree. Washington is definitely um, uh, on that list, uh, number one. Well, because they didn't execute their plan, A, I got to put the Knicks. And this is not a whole, you know, me being a fan of the Nets thing. I'm just going by the, the game plan that they were trying to execute failed. And if you failed at the game plan you're trying to ex- execute, I can't grade you on plan B and plan F and plan H. I got to grade you on the first plan that you wanted to. It did not uh, work out. So I would give them, so I would say the Knicks are on that list. Another team on my list will, and I mean, I say this for obvious reasons, Toronto. When you lose Kawhi, when you lose Danny Green, I mean, I guess Pascal Siakam is going to be the number one, but is he ready to be a number one? I don't think so. And, well, we could be looking at a situation where the East improves them, themselves to the point where Toronto, Toronto can go from NBA champions to picking in the lottery next year. Well, like, so that is how much of a dramatic shift Kawhi has and the, and the talent that he is. So I would say... Uh, Washington, the Knicks, and Toronto, my free agency losers. Very interesting, man. Very interesting uh, take right there on the Knicks and on the Raptors, too. And the Raptors, when you lose out on a guy, like you said, on a, on a Kawhi Leonard, you know, 
you don't come back from that. At least I don't think so. You know, you lose out on a generational talent, even though he was there for a year. And, you know, I know it's the East, too, but it's something that's uh, tough to come back from. You know, you got to see what happens. I know Massa Yuari is a, uh, a very good general manager as well, so he'll make something work. But I don't know. I don't know what's going on up in Toronto. You know, what might happen? I think they, they should trade Kyle uh, Ari. He's on a expiring deal. I don't know where you're going to trade him to, but I would get rid of him. And I will. I would just go young. I, I would make Fred Van Fleet the future point guard on this team. They have OG on a Nobi who was hurt. They brought back uh, – well, they, they didn't bring back Marcus Saul. Marcus Saul had a player, an option that he picked up. But I would just go young. I would have a young big three of Van Fleet's, Pascal, Siakam, uh, Norman Powell, and just, you know what I'm saying, and, and just uh, go from there. So I would go young. You're in the East, so, well, they could uh, mess around and still make the a playoffs with that young court in the East. Well, that's the direction that I would go. Mm, very interesting right there, Sean. Uh, moving on now from basketball over to baseball. And, you know, Sean, I know we've been talking about the Yankees – forever but we got to start off with the Mets we have to start off with the Mets right now because Sean I know last episode you'd said you'd you'd sell your Mets fandom but hold on one second here they are they're winners of four in a row the winners of their you know their last two against Minnesota and then taking two out of three down to Miami to start off the uh after the all-star break but Sean dude going up against Minnesota is tough not only do they have the lineup, but their pitching is very underrated. And Rocco Baldelli is a very good manager so far in his first year. We all we know this. Miami, they'll always give they'll always give you the headaches. But now you're going up against the team in San Francisco now for a weekend for a four game set, and it's crazy because everybody thinks of San Francisco right now as the team that you know is is bad. Don't get me wrong, they. Their record doesn't speak volumes, but they're winners of their last what five in a row. This is a crazy. It's it's crazy how the way how baseball works out sometimes. You know, it's crazy the way how baseball works out sometimes. The Mets are only five games out in the wild card standings, as far as that second wild card goes. Me personally, if they keep on winning games, and I think that they're much, they're much superior as far as the the San Francisco Giants go. But that goes to show you, too, that Colorado hasn't really been playing up the par as well either over their last uh, couple of games as well when San Francisco and Colorado met. But the thing is now, with them, with the Giants, it's just something to me, you got to go out there and you got to win these games. The, The second wild card spot is in reach. Like I said, they're only five games out. Sean, what what's your take on what what's going on with the Mets? Yeah, I know you said you you'd sell your fandom, but you know, hold your horses here for a second, but you know, eh, eh, four games, eh. I am we won two out of three. That's what we're supposed to do. And then the Twins, I mean, it's interleague play, two game sets. Those kind of things kind of get uh, funky, you know. And if you're the Twins, you're like, okay, well, I mean. The Twins are going to run away with the Central. So I don't know what their 
sense of urgency was for these two games against a team that they're not going to see unless they make it to the world uh, series number one and um, or or until they meet again in the next three to four seasons. So I don't. I'm not saying the Twins didn't take us uh, seriously, but I mean you know a two game set middle of the week against you know a National League team. You know I don't know if the Twins had a heightened sense of urgent and urgency. And obviously the Mets took advantage of that, especially uh, um, uh, yesterday. So, but I mean, I mean, look. With that being said, well, like you said, the Giants out of nowhere have come out of the All Star gates hot. Some teams in front of them have lost, and now they're only five, um, you know, five back. And it's one of those things where you know, I think the loser, if both these teams split, I don't think they will declare themselves a a seller or a buyer, but I think the loser of the series has to declare that they're going to sell. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, so, right. So, but if you're the Giants, give them credit because they got off to a horrible start. Mm -hmm. But this is Bruce uh, Ochi's last year. Mm -hmm. And to me, if that man brought you three uh, championships, if you have a chance to contend in his last year, I know... Yankee fans and twin fans want Mad Bum and some other teams they want Posey or Brandon Crawford or Brandon Belt, blah, blah, blah. But you keep that. If you, if you have a chance to contend in Bruce Abosi's last year, to me, you keep that. But in terms of the Mets, well, the pitching has been good. Steven Matz, he pitched really, really well. Uh, um, Jason Hargis, uh, he's pitched well. Um, and so. You know, aside from our Friday night in um, Miami, the bullpen has pitched really well. We're, we've gotten some arms back, and I'm not saying that Mickey has found something with the bullpen over the last week or so, but his moves have been right. You know, bringing in Familiar when he did, Gazama when he did, Wilson when he did, and obviously Edwin uh, Diaz closing up the game. So, well... But to me, it's just still fool's um, gold. I still think we should sell. Why lose Zach Wheeler and and especially Todd uh, Frazier for uh, uh, nothing? Well, let's get somebody back for those guys. I don't know how much, especially with Wheeler being hurt. But you know what? Let's see what we could get. And we just, you know, uh, deal with the results from those things. So am I happy that they're showing some fight and some grit? Yeah. You know, they're definitely playing for Mickey uh, Calloway. Uh, Robinson Cano has seemed to kind of get, like, uh, you know, he's kind of seemed to um, uh, to get hot uh, a little bit before the break and now after the break. So, I mean, hey, you know, let's see what takes place. But am I still going to hang my fandom on the for sale sign, Will? you damn right it's I am. <laughs> Don't do that. Come on. Don't do that, man. That's not right. <laughs> you know, don't do that. But as far as the Mets go, you know, like you said, they might be sellers, but in my honest opinion, just don't tear it down just yet, man. I mean, it's gotten complicated, sure. But like you said, you know, with Zach Wheeler, he's back on the injured list again. Is that something that, you know, remains to be seen? Who knows? if he comes back healthy or not. And then on top of that, you know, will this be Noah Syndergaard's last 
really, depending on how this weekend goes, will it be their their last time together? Uh, Jason Vargas has had a a great year thus far. Will he get traded if the Mets lose out? Who knows? Todd Frazier, like you said, Sean, who knows what might happen? But it's just, uh, dude, you're still five games out. And then not only that, bro, not only that, but when you look at it, they still got to play for, like like we said, against San Francisco at uh, Pac Bell Park. That's what I'm still calling it anyway. I don't know what they call it now, but it's still Pac Bell Park in my mind. Then they come home to play San Diego and Pittsburgh, two non-divisional games. But remember, let's say if they do do good after the trading deadline, right? Let's say they do do good after the trading deadline. They have four against Miami. They, these are division games anyway, so four, six, seven, eight. You're looking at maybe 15 to 20 games left against the division. Division rivals. That's still something that's pretty pretty amazing, you know, that those games are still there in reach. And who knows with talent and this, this, and that. But, bro, if a team gets hot at a certain time, don't discount the Mets out yet. That's all I got to tell you. Don't discount them out yet. Let's see what happens down in San Francisco this weekend. And, you know, the series coming up against San Diego uh, coming home, but man, just don't dis- don't discredit them yet. That's all I'm saying. Well, thanks for trying to uh, you know be the bright light on a very very dark day in terms of the rain. But well, no, <laughs> we we we've gone through this before. It happens every you know. Well, you know, you look at you know one of one of the last times we were in this position. I think we we were what, three back. And we and we traded Scott Casimir for Victor Zambrano. I remember that. I and I forgot that. what was the other trade. I think it was the the boarding trade or the BJ for Melvin Mora uh, trade. It was for Melvin Mora, huh? Mike Bordick for Melvin Mora. Right, right, right. And 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 what happened? Well, we faded, and even though Casimir did come. You know the great pitcher. He was very, very serviceable. Right. In in uh, in uh, uh, um, Tampa Bay. So I mean, look, get what you can for Wheeler. But well, here's the other thing. Well, and and I want your take uh, on um, on this. Okay, good. Because I've heard some. Because I've heard some Mets fans say that and it's a very bad point. Let's say the Mets do decide to sell. Do you trust? Do you trust the scouts the Mets have to identify the talent that we can get back for a Wheeler for a uh, Frazier? Because obviously, based on the moves, based on the information that Brody got and the moves that he made, you could re- really say only one panned out. So to me, it was just like you know. It's almost like the Mets fans are like, yo, let's stand pat before we just make it way worse. Before we trade Wheeler for two guys that in the next two or three years we're going to have to designate for the, uh, for a Simon Will. So, I mean, what's your take? Like, would you still, like, if they had to sell 
do you trust Brody and the scouts, or is it something where, like, you know what, just stand pat and see what we can do? The thing is with me, you don't make a move to make a move. You know, I know that the Mets, with their recent struggles, and now they're winners of four in a row, they're going up against San Francisco, like I said. Uh, you know, I do I trust this guy? Give it about another week or two. I know Omar Minaya has been looking at some Yankee prospects, but I can't see a move happening for uh, between both teams, you know, doing that. I, I can't see that given the uh, trade history and given the fact that the Wilpons don't want to give the Yankees any more ammo, you know, to say the very least. Uh, so there's that aspect of that. And as far as the scouts go, do I trust them? I mean, you gotta, in a sense, because if they're going to make the move, then, you know, what? what's going to happen here? You know what I mean? What they The Mets haven't had a rebuild in, what, since 2013, 2014? 2015 was the year that it all came together for them. After those five days, it's actually coming up, four-year anniversary, five the five days in Flushing at that point in time. But, uh, you know, it's just something that I don't know. I really, really don't know. You know, I really don't know. And, 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 and that's something that I can't stand. I cannot stand why the Wolfhounds are like that. Oh, we don't want to give the Yankees an ammo. We don't want to help them win. They've won 20, what, what is it, 27? 27 World 28? Series, yeah. But, but Sean, when the when We've the won two! Right, but, right, but when the Mets, when the Mets, when Will Ponds really took over in what the eighties, you know, it's just something that I look at and I just say to myself, uh, you know, it's, dude, I don't know, you know what I mean? Since the Will Pond family purchased the remaining fifty percent of the Mets back in two thousand and two, actually in nineteen eighty six, I'll start off with that in nineteen eighty six. Uh, Nelson Doubleday sold the Mets over to uh, the Wilpons for what? I don't even know how many, how much percentage it was at that time. But in 2002, the Mets wound up buying the remaining 50% from the double from Doubleday, and uh, you know for 391 million dollars, and they they are the majority holders of the Mets. So realistically, during that time, the, the the Yankees won five World Series, but they haven't had a losing season. You know, they haven't had a record under 500 in nearly 24 years. You know, they never had a record will, and, under and, 500 and, record in 24 and, years. And Will, I get what you're, I get what you're trying to say. The Will Pond's problem is when Mets players leave the Mets, Wherever they go, they get better. And the Wilpons don't want, well, hey, if they could play in New York for the other team, why can't they play for you? They don't, they don't want those questions. And, Will, you go back even back then. Dwight uh, Hooden, he had 
a great early career with the uh, Mets, uh, Mets, Will. Right. A lot of the people remember him as a, a Yankee, Will. Darryl Strawberry, Will, right. had a great early start as the Mets, Will. Right. A lot of people remember him as a, a Yankee. Right. Will, David Cohn. Right. David Cohn on the 20th anniversary of his A Perfect Game. David Cohn had a real early start to his career, Will. With the Mets. Will. There's people that don't even know he was a Met. Right. That's crazy. Right. That's so <laughs> that's, true. That's what I'm trying. And that's what I'm trying to say yeah. is that. So when you have that, the Mets are scared. Well, if we give the Yankees good Wheeler and they resign him, he's probably going to win 20 games in the next year. Yeah. Especially with the O that they have where even if he gives up three, four runs, the Yankees are going to score eight. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm telling you, that is the thought process that they um, that they have, man. Oh yeah, you know, you got we got to see what happens over there, uh, with regards to the Mets too. You know, I mean, a lot can happen in in two weeks' time, but who knows? Who knows what might happen? You know, who knows what might happen? Moving on from the Mets over to the crosstown rival Yankees, and listen, dude. I know everybody's talking on Monday. Another guy, I don't want to bring him up, but Travis Darno hits three home runs against the Yankees, and he's looked at as the talk of the town as far as sports radio and all these sports columnists go. But look, man, to be honest with you, with the Yankees, I think that they, they're fine. I think that everybody's overhyping the whole starting pitching and with Madison Bumgarner and everything like that, how they should trade. I think they should just stand pat. I really do. I think they should stand pat. And, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, the postseason experience, 2014. The Yankees are on that no trade list. So I don't think he's coming over here. But at a chance of winning a World Series, hey, anything's possible. But, Sean, with that being said, um, you know, I don't know what might happen. I think that the best trade, like I said in weeks prior, and you know, you mentioned it too, is just to stand pat and make like an under the radar type of move that'll pay dividends in the long run. You know, I think Clint Frazier is going to be here as a Yankee next year. Absolutely, I think he might be the starting left fielder for this team. No question about it. I think so. And then on top of that. You know, I know you want to get your piece in, but hear me out. They still have the young kids coming up. You don't know what's going to happen. Yankees, everybody wants all-stars. No, you don't need all-stars at every position. I've mentioned this before, and, oh, well, you know, this is baseball. You know, it's their job and everything like that to win. But as a fan, as a fan looking at it, you don't need an all-star at every position to go out there and play. Go look at the mid-2000 Yankees when they had an all-star at almost every position. What happened? What happened? They didn't They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. You want to talk about the 09 Yankees? Different story. Different story. Same same thing. They won a World Series, but, you know, different. It's different. But with them, with them, it's just like, I don't know, man. You know, I really quite honestly just don't know. I think an under-the-radar move will help them out in the long run. And look, as far as I'm concerned, they went out the other day and they they traded for Terrence Gore. 
Terrence Gore is, is a Dave Roberts type of move that the Red Sox made in 04, in which you get the guy in as a speedster, the guy can run, and there are going to be guys on that team when October rolls around, September, October rolls around, and he's going to be that guy coming off of the bench. There's absolutely no question about it, I feel. I love that move. I really, really do. But who knows? The Yankees right now, though, they're in a situation where they're up five games, six games against the Tampa Bay Rays right now. They're playing the Rays right now. Yankees have a 4-2 lead on this Thursday of game one of a doubleheader. Game two will be played right after. So if you're the Yankees, you want to bury. You want to bury the Rays right now and make it make it all about winning this division because when it comes to it you still got to play Boston you still got to play Baltimore you still got to play Toronto and they still got to play the Rays for a little bit here and there bury the bury these teams now while you still can well uh, my my thing on the Yankees is like you just said well you can't make a move to make a move and if the picture isn't out there that you need or that you want, don't make the move. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't give up a Frazier or a Andujar or somebody of that elk, a Geo or Stella. Don't give up someone like that for a 500 pitcher like a Stroman or a Matt Boyd or someone of that. What I think the Yankees should do is just have their pitchers just pitch a Better well, right. Jay Hap, you got your four years, you got your, you know, boatload of cash. You have to perform. You have to play. Right. Um, I, Masahiro Tanaka, I don't think Yankee fans give this man the love that he deserves. Well, right. He's, I mean, yes, he has some bad games, but ever since he's come to the team, he's been very steady. Yeah. Very, very, very steady. Yep. So you got him. And to me, I don't know what Severino's status is, but to me, if you could get him before the end of the year, well, that could be the pitcher that you guys need. Yeah. Your ace. Yeah. I, that would help <laughs> if you if you got back your ace. So I don't think – I now, Brian Cashman is very smart, so I know he's he knows what do he's doing. the best deal. He knows what he's right, doing. Right. right. So to me, he knows there's no issue with the – an offense, right. the bullpen, right. yes. Uh, uh, Chapman has been shaky a little bit before the break and after the break. But, hey, at the end of the day, Cashman's going to make the right move. And, well, if they don't make a move, I don't think the Yankee fans should fret. No, of The Yankee not. fans should be worried about, hey, Happy, you got to step up. Herman, you got to step up. James, well, James Paxton cannot be given up two home runs to Travis Darno, I am sorry. You did not make that trade for him to do that. Well, so l- he l- especially l- is going to have to step up. Look, listen, you're right about one thing, but he did outperform as far as innings go anyway, Blake Snell. Blake Snell went five innings the other day. Paxton went six. So as far as that goes, you got to understand too, you're in the AL East. You know, and this team was riding high going into the all-star break. They always start off cold. They always start off cold no matter what. But so far, you know, 
they got to find themselves. The offense has to find themselves, and right now they are. They're finding themselves right now. So that's that's key. And another name that we forget about too, Dellen Betances. Everybody talks about the bullpen and them adding an arm. You get back a guy like Dellen Betances in there for the stretch run for August, for September. Make no mistake about it, Yankees bullpen and that starting rotation, if they get back uh, Severino with Hat, Sabathia, I think Sabathia is going to come out of the bullpen for uh, for the playoffs. If if whether uh, when it's all said and done, I think it's going to be Severino, Paxton, Hap, and Herman as your four pitchers right there, and you're going to have CC coming out of the bullpen. That's that's how I see it, you know. Now a lot of pride may happen, and you know, CC may want to pitch, but. In the, he may not want to come out of the bullpen, but Boone, Boone's probably going to talk to him. Be like, well, listen, these are my four guys. If we need you, you're there, and that's it. You know. Yeah, well, I um, uh, I agree. Well, um, my final quick Yankees point is, yes, it's not going to change. Yes, you know they built the stadium the way that they did, but I mean, Travis Darno, his three home runs. You could look, you could say one of them was out in most parks. The other two are fly balls. Right. So I'm just like, I'm just like, and a guy called uh, the fan, uh, CMB, and he called them and he was just venting and he had a point. He was like, yo, the cathedral of baseball stadiums, and you have a right field where a pop up is a home run. Well, I will never forget, I think it was the subway. Series. I think it was 20, oh, 2010, I think. Uh-huh. The Yankees were playing the Mets. Mark Teixeira hit a ball to right field. It was a home run. Will, I forgot who the right fielder was for the Mets, but he was waiting for the ball to come down and, and, and it ended up going into the second or third row. Right. Will, that is a fly out. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. No, I else, no, I know, I know. I, I I get that aspect as well. But you know, Yankee Stadium is you know I usually most ballparks go, and it's even in the rules that it states that you got to have your right field line, your your line set up at three hundred and thirty feet. Yankee Stadium is an exception. The new stadium is anyway. Where you know it's three fourteen down the line, they made it the exact same uh, dimensions as the old stadium. But you know, with Darno, listen, you got to give credit where credit is due. He hit the three home runs, yes, and he listened to his coach. His coach, his batting coach, was his coach up in Toronto, and his batting coach told him to shorten his swing up, and he shortened his swing up, and he wound up hitting you know three home runs, and especially the last one off of Chapman. That that uh, that Monday night, which made it five four, a great great uh, story over there with him finding his his groove and coming back to New York and you know exercising his demons a little bit, saying you know what, hey, I can play over here. And he did hit a walk off home run back in early July against the Yankees. So you know who knows what might happen here. You know who knows what might happen here down the stretch. I think Darno might have found himself a home. Over in over in Tampa, but who knows? Again, three home runs. We don't know what might happen. You know what I mean? We'll see what happens. But Sean, you have any final thoughts on this episode? 
No, well, you know, a uh, great uh, uh, episode as always, Will, and uh, you know, um, well, well, we had um, I forgot their names, but we had a couple uh, 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 um, uh, pages follow us between the last show and this show. So I forgot who you were, but whoever you are, thank you. Well, well, I do know that one was Isles. Uh, Meetup. Right, Brian. Sure shout shout out, shout out to Brian Larson for Isles Meetup. By the way, great guy. I met him in person. A really wonderful dude. Always goes around the country, uh, doing his. Uh, you know, he's from Long Island. Met him. Great dude. Listens to the show. Awesome, awesome guy. Basically, setting up all these Isles Meetups groups and everything like that. Shout out to him and even shout out to Michael Ryan from uh Isles Meetup CLT down in uh down in Raleigh. You know, really, really great guy over there as well. And the Bar Down pod- podcast, by the way, him and Devin from the Yes Men are uh outfitters, Devin Robinson. Shout out to them as well for following the page. So, you know, they talk about music, they talk about bands and you know, local local guys growing up on the island and everything like that. It's a real, real interesting uh podcast to say the very least but uh it's really really interesting to to listen to them speak and talk their uh different uh different viewpoints and everything like that on music so it's really really cool and like i said shout out brian larson for your isles meetups he's always around the islanders like i said following them around the country i got to see him doing work not only at the coliseum but down over in jersey in uh in las vegas last year Really, really great scene as well. So those guys do a tremendous, tremendous job over there. So just wanted to give their them their due. So, yeah, just wanted to give them their shout-out. And by the way, too, shout-out to the Los Angeles Angels for throwing a no-hitter a week after uh, uh, Tyler Skaggs passed away. So that's uh, that was crazy. Well, that was crazy because, right. well, the funny thing is, the funny thing is the last combined no-hitter in the state of California, July thirteenth, nineteen ninety one, the day Tyler Skag was born. Right, that's that's insane. If that doesn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what no. what will. I think I think the Angels are gonna they're building off of something here. I think they're gonna be uh, a threat come this uh, postseason run down in September and October. I know we haven't hit August yet. Dog days of summer, everything like that, but. This is a team that's going to be scary, and they're going to be playing for Tyler. They're all for him and everything like that. So it's great, really great to see. All right, Sean, again, fantastic job like always by you. Filling in on the phone, I miss you here, man. You got to come back in studio. You have to. I'm missing you. I might have to get like I might have to get a 3D hologram with you in here. You know what I mean, or a blow up doll or something. Of you in here just to talk to you. I'm going nuts here saying that, but I do I miss, miss you. you too, man. I, 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 well, man, hopefully, hopefully, you know, man, uh, something stable comes along to pay these bills, man, and then yeah. I'll be back to the regular scheduled uh, programming. Man. Yep, absolutely, man. You know, miss you over here. And for everybody here at Gotham Podcast Studios in Manhattan, for Johnny, our wonderful producer, controlling the ones and twos, and for my partner, Sean Thomas, I'm Will Trucci, logging out. We'll talk to you guys soon.